From Accord, this is From Vendorship to Partnership, a show where we dive into the realities of scaling startups. This season, Accord CEO Ross Rich chats with the next generation of startup founders about the ups and downs of signing their first customers while building a repeatable, collaborative sales process. Hey everyone, welcome to the next episode of Founders Journey. Really excited for this one. I am joined by another ex-salesperson and uh, founder and CEO of Sendoso, Chris. We can dive right in. I'll let you introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Ross, for having me on the show. So I'm Chris Rudigrab. I'm the CEO and founder of Sendoso. I started Sendoso about five years ago, and prior to that, spent about 10 years in software sales in San Francisco, uh, mostly as an account executive. Awesome. Well, yeah, share that similar background and hopefully on a similar path uh, to you, Chris. Um, maybe just to jump right in, curious to hear um, the founding story going from sales and technology for a number of years to building an incredible business. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of the, the path you went down. Yeah. So uh, while I was in sales at uh, my last company, Talk Desk, I, I found myself sending out a gazillion emails and wanting to differentiate a little bit in terms of how I set meetings and really built rapport with prospects. And being creative, I I found myself sending out handwritten notes. I'd go grab swag from our swag closet. I would find like quirky gifts off of Amazon to send to prospects. And it all worked really well. It was just time consuming, manual. I'd always like be like tracking uh, or I'd be checking tracking links and uh, my expense reports would get declined because they're like, what are you doing buying stuff off of Amazon? Uh, but it worked. And so, you know, I thought to myself one day, like, well, why isn't there like a button to make this easier? I can just click a button in Salesforce and send stuff out. Um, and so, you know, I kind of had that epiphany and just and kind of went for it. I would say my first version was actually called coffeesender.com. So some people know this, some people don't, but it was a, I never heard of this, yeah. Yeah, it was a, uh, a very simple Salesforce app um, and a website where you could just send a Starbucks gift card. And that was like the, the easiest uh, MVP I could bite off on. Uh, I put, posted on Upwork, it was like five grand to build and it just took off. And there was, it was kind of a nights and weekends project. It would, you know, got to, you know, like three or 400,000 in revenue, like in a very short period of time. Um, didn't have great margins, you know, it was about like 15% margins, but I mean, it was more of like a e-commerce business, but it you know it did a couple things. One is it validated the need that salespeople and, and you know others were out there wanting to send more than just like emails. Um, it also validated that people wanted to click a button inside of like their CRM or other tools and send stuff. And then it gave me some confidence that hey you know I can build something that people want to use. And with that, it gave me enough inspiration to then quit my job at TalkDesk and and start Sendoso uh, full time and. That was uh, about 2017. Um, spent about nine months building out kind of the first version, which uh, for those of the listeners who don't know, it's one part software that allows you to set up teams, uh, allows you to create budgets, uh, set up integrations into your, your tech stack, um, you know, designed for sales, marketing, HR teams. Uh, one part is a marketplace of all the different gifts and options you want to send out. And then the third part is just the fulfillment and logistic portion of it. And all that equals a sending platform. Um, and we, you know, since launching, we we're now uh, a little over 450 employees, um, and we've seen millions of sends on our platform, um, tens of millions in revenue, and um, you know, uh, super exciting growth in the last couple of years. 
That's amazing. I love the validation, just like, you know, nights and weekends, like you said, just setting up something that validates the idea. I'm sure that was a lot of work on top of your job as a sales executive at TalkDesk. Um, but that's so cool. It's hard to, you know, I think it points exactly to what you're saying, like creativity of coming up with this idea and doing that in the first place and then taking a super creative approach to the MVP. Um, pretty different than some other tech companies that I've, I've heard of. So that's super cool. And then the next question I was going to ask you, which I typically find super interesting is, you know, what was your approach to winning your first 10 customers? It sounds like you already had potentially hundreds of um, sends and everything by the time you even quit your job. So curious to hear maybe, maybe an edit to that question is like, what were the first like real deals like? So you're, you know, yeah. fixing this out, you know, smaller things like what were getting those first deals across the line? Like, did people just get it? Or was there some sort of like education involved of like, no, trust me, this crazy thing where you can send random stuff, not just emails to your customers is going to be, you know, hugely impactful and the thing you should focus on right now. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take you through some of the early days and some of my, my thinking around it. So one is, you know, we were able to convert um, some of the coffee sender customers into Sendoso customers, but you know, that was also a, uh, you know, coffee sender was like a free platform and there was, so it was, uh, you know, they're almost like warmish leads, but it wasn't like they were cu customers right away. Yeah. So, um, so that was one thing we were able to use that as almost like a, a warm lead pool to, to sell into. Um, we also then started um, selling at a very low price point and a very low, like month to month, super low price point, like to where it didn't economically make sense to run a business at that point. Mm -hmm. And so I think me and my co-founder at the time were like, cool, people are buying this. This is great. And then we uh, ended up bringing on kind of a, a COO slash CFO pretty early in our in our life cycle when she was maybe employee number 10-ish at the company. Um, and she was like legit, like, you know, 20-year veteran, knew how, you know, to price things, had a finance background. And so when she joined, we had like 10x pricing. And that was, I think, then we went back. And at that time, we had maybe about 30 or 40 customers. And I would say those 30 or 40 customers, uh, you know, were not real customers. I don't want to say not real, but they were, you know, friends and friends and family customers kind of thing, or founders were selling them. Um, the, the CAC to LTV wasn't like uh, scalable. So mm -hmm. it was kind of just like almost those customers were like our MVP, would people actually click and set? It yeah. wasn't until we actually launched our a, a realistic pricing model, um, and then ultimately brought on two AEs uh, to then come sell that weren't the founders. That mm -hmm. I feel like we got our first real, real customers because that was, you know, a random person getting a, you know, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar a year subscription uh, to use the platform, and then that became, you know, more of a reality of a business that you could sell. So I think there's some um, almost uh, false positives for entrepreneurs who think they have product market fit too early because like their ex boss bought it or their you know wife's company bought it, and I think that that's um, you need to really get strangers to sell your product at a price point that scales, then you have product market fit. Yeah, that's that's a really good point and, and resonates a ton with what we're going through. We just hired a first. Um two reps last quarter and yeah. I'm like not driving every single deal and onboarding yep. and customer success now. Exactly. And it's just different. Yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah. You have people buy cause they're talking to you and it's like, yeah, if it's cheaper and it's like, I get the vision. Okay. Like I want to be on this ride versus like, 
I'm only buying for the economic value and ROI of this product. And I need to convince other people on my company to stick my neck out for it. Is a totally yeah. And I kind of sometimes when I talk about those things, I differentiate. I think you can pro find product market fit in those early like founder sales. But then if you really want go to market fit, that's where I really find that you then have a non-founder selling at a for, for the value of your product um, to net new strangers um, at a price point that scales indefinitely. And then I think you have, you know, go to market fit if those uh, reps can hit quota. Um, and I think that's almost harder to find. I think you you find a lot of entrepreneurs that can find product market fit, but can't find go to market fit. Totally. It's funny because I remember now like the conversations, the first questions the rep asked, which is like a great forcing function is like, you know, what's the, you know, what's the 80% use case? What's the use mm -hmm. case? What's, you know, the value of all this stuff. I'm like, I don't know. People seem super excited to chat about this. Like the yeah. talk about the problem and it resonates with people. And they're like, you're just telling your story. And people are excited about like the promise of this thing. It's not like this consistent, this is what people are coming in for and this reason. And like, we need to have that repeatability and all stuff. I'm like, okay, glad that we brought people in to, exactly. to, to force that. Yeah, that's why I urge for found, some uh, founders like delay hiring salespeople because they're like, oh, I can keep selling this, I can keep selling this. And I'm like, you can, but you're not really proving to yourself that you can build a go-to-market engine and have go-to-market fit. So I usually recommend hiring salespeople earlier than you think yeah. you should. Um, and then if you do have a price point of a product that can withstand SDRs too, hire those as early as you can too, because that's another function that, you know, you is hard to get right and or the unit economics can, uh, you know, you need to be able to have them hit quota and, 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 and that scale too. So yeah. as soon as you know that you can do both of those, then I feel like you have a business um, that at that point you could, you know, maybe go raise a, uh, around a funding to put fuel on your fire, but too much before that and you might be, you know, selling yourself short. Totally. I don't know if you felt the same way because you're also an ex salesperson. I felt guilty. I'm like, I should be able to do this. I should be able to get us to one to $2 million ARR. And like, we should get, you know, be at our A and start scaling before we start adding on reps and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I totally agree with uh, the lessons that you learned as well. Yeah. I mean, I always feel like I can, for me, it was like, I sold a lot in the first six months, which was really product market fit. Yeah. Then I stepped away for kind of maybe like a, a while and now I'm back to selling a bit more um, and helping more on the enterprise deals with co-selling and, and mm -hmm. team selling and, and how I can do that more. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't want to uh, fool myself that, you know, the business was only going to work if I was in the trenches selling. So. Totally. Yeah. No, it was funny. It was like so guilty. I'm like, but I should, I'm free right now. I should be on this call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay. One of, one of my favorite questions, since the answers are always so different is, uh, a curveball here. If you could go back to, you know, right when you were doing, you know, the coffee gift card piece and transitioning into this real company, what one piece of advice would you give yourself back at day one? Um, I would probably, uh, give myself the advice of just uh, always be recruiting. Um, and I think that that now that we have about 450 people, like we, we've definitely upped the ante in recruiting a lot more. But I think in, you know, the early days, the more you can build pipeline for yourself in terms of people and, and talent, like it's going to pay off. And 
I think the best entrepreneurs scale through bringing on amazing people. And so I think, you know, even though if you don't have a role open, I think you should always be kind of interviewing and, and, and networking and, and finding the next hires that might be months away, but at least you're, you're still selling the dream and, and painting the picture. And um, so I, I'd say that like, that's a, a really good skill that you should be doing like day zero that many people I think are like, ah, oh, we, we don't have any budget. We can't hire anybody. We don't know this, but I think it's kind of like you're, you know, uh, preheating the oven, so to speak, you know, you need to start making sure you start uh, outreaching the talent. Totally. No, that's, that's great advice. And when would you start thinking about, um, with that advice in mind, hiring a first like dedicated or part-time recruiting partner for someone like yourself? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, as, as soon as you kind of have in your first few hires, you know, hopefully you can do through network or yeah. through referrals. And I think that's really important. Um, I think it's also helpful where, you know, uh, some entrepreneurs like maybe straight out of college, like I need to start something right now, but there's advantages to working in industry for, you know, years and years. I mean, my first two hires were, uh, sales or my first two sales hires were two sales friends from talk desk where I worked before. And so I think building out some of that network can give you a leg up when you need to get those Mm -hmm. first hires who need to, um, trust you as a person who need to believe in you, who need to see like, you know, Chris is crazy, but I know he's going to build something amazing. So let's just jump on this rocket ship way early. And so I think you can convince, you know, uh, friends or friends of friends in the early days. But I think as soon as you have a, a hint of a product market fit, and you're going after your go to market fit. That's when I think you uh, it's worth starting to bring on a recruiter. And I think you can also leverage that person for, you know, uh, you know, people and culture in the early days too, where you probably don't even have an HR person that yet, yeah. but, you know, someone that can, you know, be happy with engaging with your, your internal employees and doing other fun things to, you know, build a, a culture. And I, and I think that yeah. recruiter like retention as well, it's kind of like a full people. Yeah, exactly. That. Exactly. That That's really interesting. Awesome. So I know you hinted at it a bit at the beginning, but would love to hear as we, um, exit out of here. Where are you at today? And what's what's the focus? Um, yeah, what's what do you spend most of your time thinking about? Yeah, so, you know, as I mentioned about, uh, you know, ongoing, we have, you know, about 450 employees, about more than 50 open recs. So we'll be at 500 employees soon. Um, you know, tens of millions in revenue. Um, just, you know, we're scaling out really nicely. Uh, for me, it's uh, a mix of recruiting. So I spend a lot of my time recruiting. Um, I, I spend a good amount of my time working with current customers. So more so than probably prospects now, but I'm, you know, speaking with customers, how can I uh, learn from them? How can I share our roadmap and our vision? Um, so I, I do a lot of customer meetings and then I'd say there's always, you know, a handful of initiatives with different internal, uh, teammates that I'm helping. And so that's like dynamic each week it changes, which I, I like, and there's a lot of context switching from one department to the next. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for, for sharing your, your founder's journey. If folks wanted to get in touch with you, if other founders and sales leaders want to chat, what's the best way of uh, getting in touch, Chris? Yeah, I'm uh, more than happy to have a conversation one-on-one. So you can email me, Chris, it's K-R-I-S at Sendoso.com. Add me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to you know grab a beer or a coffee or, or virtually uh, do that. And um, yeah, uh, hit me up. Awesome. Well, thanks, Chris. You bet. 
You're listening to Accords from Vendorship to Partnership, where we dive into building startups, signing customers, and scaling collaborative, repeatable sales processes. For more episodes like this, make sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.